Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. Today we're going to be discussing Chapter 37 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. In Chapter 37, the two gentlemen have left Rosings. The Huntsford party have dinner at Rosings. It's their last week at Huntsford and Lizzie is still reeling from the letter. You just want me to talk? You're not going to introduce me this week? My special guest this week is my sister Paula. Hello. (laughs) Lady Catherine invites Lizzie twice to stay. No, I disagree. She doesn't invite. She says that she has to. You must write to your mother. On behalf of Charlotte. There can be no occasion for your going so soon. You know, she... She's telling her what she should do. She's not inviting her. And (laughs) inviting her to stay at someone else's house as well. Yeah, and she says later in the chapter, which I can't find now, something about when you come next year. But anyway, she invites her to come twice. Um, She says, daughters are never of much consequence to a father, which is funny because Lizzie is of very much consequence to Mr. Bennett that he even wrote, which is very unlike him, to ask her to hurry home. The relationship between um, Elizabeth and her dad is quite different, really, isn't it? Well, Elizabeth and Jane, I guess. But more Elizabeth. So I made a note about this, that Mr. Bingley, sorry, Mr. (laughs) Bennett, there are too many Bs in this book. Mr. Bennett was involved partly with Elizabeth and Jane, but then he seemed to have got sick of waiting for a son. And I think this is why Mary wants attention and why Lydia and Kitty are left to their mother. Oh, that does make sense. Because in those days, what you did want was a son. And they desperately wanted a son to be able to pass the property on to because of the entail. And that, of course, caused all the problems with Mr. Collins. Hmm. He's so difficult, Mr. Collins. Oh, I found it. It's at the very end of the chapter. And it does say invited them to come to Huntsford again next year. So I have to say, yes, she does invite them at the end there. It's quite a good chapter in the way that it's full of Lady Catherine and her little funny quirks. And the thoughts of Elizabeth as she's thinking about the letter from Mr. Darcy and the consequences of that. It's very funny that Lady Catherine is so dull to invite them to come to dinner because she's so dull without Colonel Fitzwilliam and Mr Darcy having left. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, an invitation that is a compliment. No. (laughs) It does seem that she likes Mr Collins and Mrs Collins because they are there to do her bidding, to come whenever she likes. They're members of convenience. Yeah, convenience is a good word for it. And of course that Mr Collins is so subservient would be a wonderful part of that relationship for her. I found it interesting in this chapter, though, thinking about that relationship that we've talked a bit about Lady Catherine thinking that, you know, she's in charge of everything and she swoops in and sorts people out. But Elizabeth, of course, is thinking a lot about her letter from Mr Darcy and trying to work out what that means for her and how she feels about it but she's talking about Lady Catherine asking asking lots of questions and she ends up having to say reflection must be reserved for solitary hours because as Lady Catherine speaks she did not answer them all herself the questions that Lady Catherine's asking she didn't answer a lot of them herself though 
yeah, but not all of them. So attention was necessary. Um, so I thought that created a, a beautiful picture of the hilarity of the scene, Lady Catherine, in comparison to what is going on in Elizabeth's head. Because Elizabeth's thinking at this point she could have been introduced to her as a future niece. That paragraph is amazing, that one that you just picked up. Liz, uh, Lady Catherine had many other questions. That's two sentences, and it's quite a weighty paragraph, but there's only two sentences in the whole thing. Because Jane Austen does these beautifully long, long sentences. She's really good with punctuation to break things up and show you where meaning is. And I was thinking that also previously to that, where Jane Austen actually has Lady Catherine speaking and we have all these dashes which show her change of thought or her continuing and how things just go from one thing to another um, and perhaps where she pauses but she's not actually really wanting anybody else to make a comment she's having her own little monologue holding court with everybody there and it's just a really clever way that she's used punctuation there yeah there could be bits where there are actually people speaking there, but it's not recorded because it's not important because it's not Lady Catherine. <laughs> well, somebody trying to speak, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, she's gorgeous. She's um, very frustrating. She is. So Lizzie's still reeling from Mr. Darcy's letter, and it could easily be believed that the happy spirits, which had seldom been depressed before, were now so much affected as to make it impossible for her, almost impossible for her, to appear tolerably cheerful. But yeah, you can't imagine Lizzie being depressed at all. But it's had such an effect on her that this is how she's feeling about it right now. That his attachment excited gratitude. There's that gratitude word again. That's, that's what starts her affection for him. It's gratitude for his feelings for her. Mm. His general character is respect, but she could not approve him, nor could she for a moment repent her refusal or feel the slightest inclination to ever see him again. And I wonder why... She never wants to see him again. Is she ashamed or embarrassed? Well, she she says, still doesn't like him? She says in her own past behaviour there was a constant source of vexation and regret. So perhaps she is embarrassed. And also embarrassed about her family. And the unhappy defects of her family are subject of yet heavier chagrin. Is that how you say that word? Yeah. And they were hopeless of remedy. Yeah, so I think she is embarrassed by all of that. There's a great description of Catherine and Lydia. Catherine, weak-spirited, irritable, and completely under Lydia's guidance. And Lydia, self-willed and careless. Ignorant, idle, and vain. While there was an officer in Meryton, they would flirt with him. And while Meryton was within a walk of Longbourn, they would be going there forever. Yeah, that's a lovely description, isn't it? And... It links back to their mother, who was the same when she was young. You liked a red coat. Yes. What this made me think of, though, when I was reading this section, was the stereotypical plot for actually Mills and Boons and mm -hmm. your rom-coms of today, where they meet, they don't like each other, and then uh, he does something, eventually they fall in love and they're together forever. It obviously works as a formula, but I don't know what it does for women. I don't know if it's healthy that women should second guess their first impressions of men. 
because I think sometimes your first impressions are the ones that are actually correct. You meet someone and you think, hmm, something not, that doesn't kind of match up here or isn't quite right for me. And you find out later on, you know, what it is. And I just think that perhaps it's not healthy to always think, oh, well, we're going to forget that because of something or other he's done. Anyway, sorry, that's my waffling for today. I didn't mention Netflix or Sanditon, but I did mention Mills and Moons. We could, however, talk about Death Comes to Pemberley, which we've just watched. Oh. I loved it. It was gorgeous. I read the book as well years and years ago, but so long ago that I'd forgotten who the murderer was. So it was quite nice watching it again. We found that Colonel Fitzwilliam seemed to be quite a different character to who he is in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, he doesn't seem very nice or funny like he is in the book. He seems older and more serious. But having been on several more campaigns, perhaps that's to be expected? Yes, true. Absolutely, that's right. Um, and it seems that he has a genuine care for... Georgiana. Ge thank you. Georgiana. I was about to call her Georgianana because that's what my son calls her and I was trying to stop myself and actually get the right word. <laughs> um, and Pride and Prejudice, it seems that he has a genuine care for her, like a, an uncle. Well, he is a cousin, but it seems more like an uncle because he's older. It seems a little more manipulative when he supposedly is looking out for Georgiana in Death Comes to Pemberley. But maybe that's just the way they decided to, to do it, to make it more interesting and darker. Just have another sort of half-villain in there so that you might think that it was him who killed Jenny. Hmm. The one thing that I absolutely love about the film adaptation of Death Comes to Pemberley is the way they dress Lizzie so that she really belongs in the house. She wears the same colours that are on the walls in the drawing room. Yes, she definitely looks like she is the mistress of the house. And we notice later on that actually Georgiana is also dressed in colours, but hers are of the furniture in the foyer rather than the actual house itself. So I assume that was symbolically done. I assume so. She's part of the furniture. Lizzie's part of the house. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but the um, actress who plays Lydia. It's phenomenal. Hilarious. She's beautiful and she uses her beauty well to play the part. And she is innocently stupid. But then you actually see near the end there's a little bit of wit. Uh, not wit. Street smarts, maybe. Yeah, Lydia, street smarts is a good, good word for her. Mm, to her naivety when she asks Elizabeth not to tell her what's going on um, because she'd rather cope with it in a different way. It's very, She's very, very well played. She, uh, Jenna Coleman was in Doctor Who for many years as well. Loved it. So that is our summary of chapter 37 of Pride and Prejudice and a little bit of Death Comes to Fembley. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of 
the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!